0: Well, good morning. Uh, you guys appreciate that it's service at 10:30 instead of 9:30 this morning because at 9:30 it was like cold and it's actually getting pleasant. And if you got some sun where you're sitting, you know that. Let's see, go right there. Um, I wanted to because uh, I think it's appropriate. Uh, to address the the really the tragedy in Monterey Park last night, uh, it, it certainly fits in with what we 're talking about and the uh, the anxiety that comes from uncertainty and If you go outside of the church and you try to uh, look for any kind of answers you 'll see you 'll hear over the next uh, week or two you 'll hear in the media, they'll try to address uh, and say, why, why would someone do this? And they're, they're really not equipped to answer it uh, because it is a theological answer. Um, There, there, there is, and it really comes down to the fact that it's evil, that it's evil to take a life. If it's evil, uh, if it was certainly, if it was racially motivated, uh, it's evil, and, and the best answer to that problem is the truth of God's word and the hope we have in Christ. Uh, there are branches of theology that deal with the problem of evil. It, it has a fancy name, theodicy, which doesn't help you until you do the research. Uh, but it, it deals with that. Why, if God is all-powerful and he is all good, why is this kind of evil around? And we know that that the root of evil in creation is sin. And the answer to sin is always Jesus Christ. And I know what that sounds like, that in, in light of an event like that, unfortunately, they come way too often. But in light of that, uh, what are we to do as believers? And so we, we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, and today uh, we're finishing up talking about uncertainty. And how do we respond to that and the anxiety that comes along with it? Uh, today, the answer is is worship. Now, I don't know if you, you caught that, but, but I didn't pick the songs, uh, but they help address some of that. That, that way you might feel in light of, of life uh, has to do with our relationship with the Lord. Uh, I don't want it to so, sound uh, Pollyannish, but, but it might. Uh, phrases like, you know, turn that frown upside down, and when life deals you lemons, make lemonade, right? Th- these are uh, not as helpful as we might want them to be. Yet when uncertain things come up and there's that kind of anxiety that that threatens to paralyze you, there is an appropriate response and it's to worship God. That's what we're supposed to do. We're going to look at a couple of situations, but specifically one in, in Acts chapter 16, where Disciples of Jesus Christ, specifically Paul and Silas, were really in in a bad situation, and how they responded. You, you f- might be familiar with uh, the events recorded there. And uh, basically, uh, there's a, a group of disciples, Paul and Silas among them. Uh, we actually know one other person that's there because he says "we," meaning. Uh, Luke, who wrote the book, was there as well, but other disciples possibly. And as they were traveling and, and, and ministering in the community, there was a young lady that says she has a spirit of divination. And she kept following them, and she kept saying uh, really loudly, these men are servant of the Most High God, which sounds good, but it was kind of freaking people out. And they're they're proclaiming the way of salvation, and I appreciate uh, verse eighteen of chapter sixteen, uh, where it says, "Paul, having become greatly annoyed, <laughs> I, that, that's me. I've been there, greatly annoyed. I don't have the uh, the gifting that Paul has because." It says he turned around and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And so she basically lost her ability to prophesy because she didn't have that that spirit that she had before. And then the owner of this young girl, so she was a servant slave, something like that, went, I'm going to lose money. That's it. And he, he basically jumped Paul and Silas... And uh, had them beaten up. And then uh, I'm going to start reading in verse uh, 22 of chapter 16. The crowd joined in attacking them. The magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Right? So it went from a mob kind of thing to now an official thing. The magistrates are like, we're in on this too. Uh, verse 23 when they had inflicted many blows upon them they threw them in prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely having received this order he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks so they're beaten and abused accused thrown in jail and and not just you're in a room but you're now locked up and can't move as the stocks prevent Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening. That's that's the point, right? Here they are, this uncertain situation. I've never been in, thankfully, that they were hurting. They were in jail and who knows what's going to happen from here. And their response is to pray. And to sing worship songs. That's the response. That's the appropriate response. And I appreciate Luke who says, oh, by the way, the other prisoners, they were listening. They heard this. They heard how a Christian responds to this kind of, of difficulty. And that's true. That, that when something is going on in your life that is hard, there will be people around you whether you know it or not that will be watching you they'll be listening to the words you say the actions you take the attitude whether you lash out or or you're still humble right they'll they'll notice all of these things about you and it will say more about God than it does about you at least to them Right, because that's, that's the way people are. If you say you believe in God, then you say that you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins. There's people that are wanting to know, does that have an impact on your life? Right, is there, is there some benefit to that? Because if you react the same way anybody not in the church reacts, they're going to go, well, what good is it? Right, Why? Would I trust your God if you react that way? It did nothing for you. Why should I then believe? And so they, they heard Paul and Silas praying and singing. What happens because of that? Uh, verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken And immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. Sounds like a jailbreak. Verse 26, when the jailer woke and he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because if he didn't, he knew his life was forfeit, right? If people escape on his watch, he's done for. Uh, He drew his sword, was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped, but Paul, Paul cried out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself. We're all here. We haven't gone anywhere. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out saying, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There is, there is power in what's going on here. I want to know more. Verse 31, and they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and all who were in his house, and he took them that hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. He and all his household, his whole family responded in the same way he did. Verse 34, then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with the entire household that he had believed in God. What, what was such a, a really a horrendous situation of Paul and Silas getting, you know, beaten and abused and thrown in jail turns into this, this exciting event. You know, part of the, 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 the Christian response when there is evil things about and people want to say well where was god in that and and often it's really hard to see but but then looking back after the fact you can see events like this and say there was really bad things going on but look at how god used that it wasn't just one person who might have heard and and maybe no this he responded his whole household responded the the, the other prisoners in jail heard the gospel right There's some exciting things going on. They were logically, or sorry, (laughs) illegally locked up. They didn't whine or complain. They worshipped God. And then something difficult. They responded in an appropriate way. So why does that happen? How come when, when things are really tough, our response ought to be worship? You want to deal with anxiety. That's the way. There are some things that you can't do those two things together at the same time. They're, they're impossible. I, I Googled that. I was curious. What two things can't you do? So, so there's things like, you know, you can't sneeze with your eyes open. I don't know. I don't know why. I need, We need to check. Anybody know like your eyes pop out or something? It's, something bad happens. It's got to. So you can't sneeze with your eyes open. And, and then the one, I don't think this is true, but it said, you know, you can't say pudding without smiling. I don't think it was pudding. I think it was pudding. That must be it. But you can't say that without smiling and, and thinking about pudding. You definitely can't be anxious about uncertain things, thinking about yourself if you're worshiping. By definition, you can't. Because worship isn't thinking about yourself, it's thinking about God. The correct response to any situation is to worship the Lord. It's not just when bad things are going on, it's when good things are going on. But what is worship? Right? Now, we like to say we had worship this morning. Hopefully that happened, right? Hopefully worship was the result of us gathering together as a church and proclaiming God's goodness and song and, and in his word, that's what I'm hoping happened. But just like fellowship didn't happen just because you put fellowship on the church calendar. Fellowship isn't, we sat down to eat together, but the result of sitting down to eat together should be when Christians gather, fellowship happens. Right, Fellowship is is that interaction. It wasn't I was sitting at the table with Christians and we ate. That's not fellowship. And so worship isn't we sang nice songs. But worship should happen during that time and at other times. In fact, um, Paul, when he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he said this, and it doesn't even use the word worship, but I think it's in there. So uh, chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul didn't say worship, but that's what he was talking about. Worship as thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, right? So, So giving thanks to God and focusing on Him and celebrating Him. And notice the worship in prayer, right? Because when you're praying, you're not focusing on you, you're focusing on God. So what is is worship then? If it's not specifically the singing or the praying, what is worship? Well, I like John Piper's definition of worship. The inner essence of worship is to know God truly... And then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things. And then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. Great definition. It's a little wordy for me. And so the one I used, and I've I've used this one for years, it's that uh, worship is the proper response to our reflecting on who God is, what he has done, and who we are in comparison. I used to say focusing on who God is and that we're not him. I cleaned it up a little bit. Sounds a little more academic this way. Notice that in... In either of those definitions, I guess it's neither. In those definitions, is worship mentioned with music of any kind? So often you'll see we're to worship the Lord with with a joyful noise, and and that we're to uh, commit ourselves to serving Him, and all these things are acts of worship. Present your bodies as the living sacrifice, and. But, but it's not just music that, that happens. And I think culturally music is really important, so that's part of it. And, and it's not that I'm saying, look, we don't need music, because we do. In fact, when you read scripture, there's always music when the church gathers. There's music when, when people are celebrating God. And, and look, the worship team, they're awesome. That was good stuff this morning. Just realize that worship isn't just because we heard nice music it has far more to do with the fact that that we're focusing on God Jesus was asked about worship and in fact while he was traveling to Galilee he passed through Samaria and it was the warmest part of the day and the disciples were off and he was kind of waiting by the well and he met a Samaritan woman and and kind of look at it as as well. She's there when the other women aren't there. That means she kind of avoided them. There's there's some things going on, and and Jesus specifically addressed it. He addressed the issues of sin in her life, and while being kind of confronted with her sin and realizing this just isn't just a, a a Jewish man traveling through that that there's more to this, and she asked about worship. She goes, now, how is this supposed to work? And she doesn't say, well, what kinds of songs do you sing in worship? And, and, and she doesn't say, well, you know, will there be people there I know? She focuses on where is an appropriate location? I think it's a good question to ask. It's like asking, is there a way to worship that's better? Is there a way to better focus on God? What elements of worship should we explore, right? It's a good question. So, Jesus answered, this is in John 4, starting in verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. See, to that point, for Jewish people, they had one location to worship God in Jerusalem in the temple before that it was the tabernacle that was it that's where you met you met to worship god it's why when you go back into first and second kings and first and second chronicles it was such a big deal that the kingdom was divided and if you weren't uh in judah you weren't, didn't have the ability to worship in Jerusalem. And so the King is like, we don't want people to go back to Jerusalem to worship. We're going to lose our subjects because that's where you worship God. Let's make up another religion because it was location based. And so he's like, look, there's a time coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, will you worship the father? Your worship, you worship what you don't know. Right? So, So Samaritans, You're going to worship what you don't know. Uh, we worship what we know as Jewish people. It says, so for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And Jesus has a way of speaking right to the issue. Let's just get through everything. What is essential for worship? And he gives two things. He says spirit and truth. Those two things are required for worship, spirit and truth. That's essential. There's no way around it. When we read spirit here, I want to be careful. It's not this this obscure new age kind of idea of what spirit is. Let's just get past that. When We talk about the spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? That makes it easy. So there's no confusion. And Jesus said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. Praise God, right? Where where two or three are gathered. This is the reason we're here. He's here. And so we're worshiping in spirit and we have the benefit of having the Holy Spirit here this morning. What about truth? Truth is harder. It shouldn't be, right? It's either true or it's not. I teach math. It's really easy, right? Right? I grade, I grade tests just wrong, 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 right, right. I, I don't like the parts where I have to go write three sentences on, but I have to do that on occasion. Those are much harder to do. Well, that sentence kind of seems good. Maybe they got it. I'm not sure. Oh, but, it, but otherwise, I can just go through. It's either right or it's wrong. But there are definitely some issues, Truth is supposed to be true, but since 2017, we've had to deal with alternate truth or alternate facts. That's a phrase that's come up. But really, when someone says, well, I don't believe your truth, or they say something like, well, that's your truth. That's a nonsensical statement, but people say it. Maybe someone said it to you. I've had it, people, people say it to me while sharing about Jesus. Well, that's true for you. That's your truth. I I, I don't get it. But that's what happens. And so part of the issue is when uh, a politician or celebrity or some sports figure makes a statement that's really controversial. And then depending on the media source and and their uh, worldview... Whether they come out and defend them or protect them, that's not really what they said. That's not really what they meant. Uh, there was a, uh, one of those controversial things that came up just a, a couple of weeks ago, and we're still talking about uh, whether there's going to be a ban on gas stoves. You guys realize there's a debate, not whether we should ban gas stoves. The debate has been whether there's actually a discussion about it. And so if, okay, I won't encourage you to do this. You will waste way too too much time doing a deep dive into those articles, but they're there. And so you'll go after article after article. Yes, they're, they're talking about this. No, they're not. No, they're not coming for your gas stove. It's like, well, what is the truth? And the reason there's a debate isn't whether we agree with them or not. The debate is whether you can trust the source or not. Do you trust who's telling you? It was never that way before. You watched it on the 6 p.m. news and they said it. You believed it. You read it in the L.A. Times. They said it. So you believed it. And and I know that there is is strict guidelines for journalistic ethics. Yet, there are so many contradicting articles on the same thing. Some of you are wanting to know whether there is a discussion, right? All right. So so here it is. There really was a consumer product safety commissioner, Richard Trumka, who in an interview with Bloomberg News, said it. Like, here's something we're looking at. And the Consumer Product Safety Commission considered a recommendation by Mr. Trumpka, And they sought public comments. I mean, you can't really argue with the facts. So are they discussing it? apparently. Yet, if you look up the articles, there's plenty of people that say, no, yeah, it's not a problem. Okay, but they're talking about it. All right, so I say all of that to say truth matters, right? Whether it really is true or isn't true. And and can we trust whether we're being told the truth or not? In the fat. platform. Uh, Last few years, I've probably heard the phrase, uh, trust the science a few times. What does that even mean? That doesn't make sense. As if there's some registry named science, you can just check science. Oh, that's it. That's not how science works, right? That's not how peer reviews work. Science is never settled. I've heard that one a lot. This is settled science. The only people who say settled science or trust the science are people who know very little about science. And so there's this issue of trust of whether something is true or not. So, so here it is. You can trust when it comes to worshiping God in spirit and truth. When it comes to truth, the truth of Scripture. That's where we're going to go. We're going to go to God's word. That's truth. And so if someone comes along and says, this is what I know, and you look at scripture and you're like, that's not what it says. Trust scripture. Trust it because it is true. Paul wrote Timothy. And he said this. This is in his second letter, 316 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We can trust the truth of scripture. And then the purpose of worship Right, so that those uncertain times come, that anxiety comes. You're supposed to respond with worship. And the purpose of worship is twofold. It is glory to God, and it's the sharing of the good news. You guys caught the whole point that they're in jail. They're tied. Their their feet are in the stocks. They're locked in. They they hurt because they've been beat up. There's an uncertain future, and they prayed. And sang songs of hymns. And it says the other prisoners were listening. And when they were freed, the jailer came in and and goes, How can I be saved? Obviously, there's something to this. That's the purpose of worship. This is what glory to God looks like. This is in Psalm 29. Starting in verse 1. The first few verses. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. Right? That's worshiping God. Focusing on him and who he is. And then sharing Jesus is worship. And so I would take you to Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and twenty. Jesus telling his disciples what we call the Great Commission. Right? It's not just the mediocre commission. It's not a suggestion. It's here's your job, this is your task, you're the church, get to it. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all I've commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if, if you're a, a Christian, then that's for you, right? These are your marching orders. Literally, this is your task to make disciples. He says in, in all the earth, you, you start here, you start in your home and your neighborhood then your, your, your job, in your classroom, right? Wherever you are, you start there, but then it expands to the whole world. It's why we celebrate missionaries who go all over the world. But our job is to make disciples. We don't just make church attenders. We make people who, who grow into Christ-likeness. If that's you, right? If you're a believer, this is you if maybe you're not you're like i you know i'm kind of new to this then for you it's to respond to respond when you hear the truth of who jesus is that he's the son of god who died on the cross to pay for your sins the appropriate response is yep yeah, that's me a sinner in need of grace god help me and he promises that he will I've got a couple of next steps for you today. First of all, I'm going to commit to responding to anxiety and uncertainty with worship. Money's tight. What do I do? I worship, pray, and I give glory to God. Uh, I'm having some issues with, with some relationships. What do I do? I respond with worship and prayer. Now, uh, maybe it's something, it's like very immediate. Remember, I was a, a really new believer. I was driving my, my uh, parents' truck. And as I was driving down the 91 freeway in Riverside, the lights turned off. I mean, I'm pulling the little knob and nothing. Pitch black out, and I'm like, I'm going to die. Okay, my exit's coming up. Maybe I can get off. As I got off the freeway, the, the truck stalled and just went dead on an incline. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. Thankfully, I can hit the brakes so I don't roll back. I couldn't even turn on the flashers. Someone's going to plow into me. And I just remember being really stressed out, and then remembering my responsibility was to worship. I said, God, help me. Right? Last minute, God, please. And I'd like to say the lights miraculously came on. They didn't. I was able to get just to the light, and I got out and started pushing this three-ton pickup truck. Trying to push it up the incline, and someone came, thankfully, and helped me push it out of the way. And as I was sitting there going, I don't even know what to do. This is before cell phones. I can't call my parents. Help me. So I just prayed. And then I thought of a couple of worship songs that I had heard. And I waited. God worked it out. I'm here today. Because I didn't die that day. God worked it out. We respond with anxiety and uncertainty. With worship. And then. uh, Maybe my next step today is to memorize. And so I I put a verse there. uh, Two verses. Revelation 5. 12 through 13. Uh, You want a. Verses that that show you a picture of worship. These are really helpful. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And all of them saying to him who sits on the throne, to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Not just saying the words, not just singing it, but, but, but in your heart, glory and honor and blessing to the Lord. And then the last one's blank. You can put that in there, uh, what you really feel. This is what I learned. This is what I'm going to do. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are uh, truly blessed and grateful. We're blessed and grateful because of Jesus. We have no right, we're not good enough, and we don't get to claim because we're good enough anything, but it's only by your mercy that we're not probably multiple times over just wiped off the earth. And It's only because of your grace that as your word says, we can be called children of God. Father, our hearts go out to uh, those affected in Monterey Park, Uh, our our prayers for their family and friends, and and really the uncertainty that follows, the really just dealing with the question of evil and that, Father, you would um, surround that place with believers seeking to do exactly what Paul and Silas did to be an example, a witness, to pray and to sing hymns of praise. And Father, that it would be clear who you are and what you desire to do. And Father, as we finish up this, this three parts, that we understand our job as believers, even when things are uncertain and anxious. That we would set an example, first and foremost, turning to you and trusting you. I thank you that you, you work on our behalf. And we can trust you for what is right and what is true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.